been a good week for everybody? Maybe a little bit. It's been kind of a, it was been like a halfway good week and a halfway not good week for me. The good week part of the week is I got to, um, uh, just can you turn those back lights on for me? Um, school started back for kids, students this week, so I got to meet some, meet up with some of my old friends from South Old Middle School, and that was good, and I already got to have some really cool conversations with people, and that was really awesome. So um, hopefully as we enter into this final week of the GOAT series, my hope in all this is this, is that you have reached over the last 13 weeks, counting today, the last 13 weeks, you have been encouraged and you've had some building blocks for your faith because there's something about the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus that should encourage us because of who he is, not only because who he says he is, but what he has proven himself to be. Y'all with me? Because yeah. without, without Jesus, without, without Jesus, we, we could not... I can, somebody this week told me this, and I totally agree with it. When, we go, when people go through hard, hard times, like how do they do it without Jesus? Like how, how, do they even, like how can they even think about facing some of the things that we face in this world without Jesus on their side? Like it's a hopeless life. But we're in this GOAT series because we really do believe Jesus is the greatest of all time. And the reason we believe this, the reason we believe his, his supremacy is above everything else, the reason we believe he's a GOAT is for a couple of reasons. We've, we've named 12 of them. <laughs> we're about to get 13. I jokingly said last week that I probably could just do a whole sermon by reading, recapping every title. So let's give it a try. Okay? We say that he's the goat because he's the exact imprint of God, or you can say that he is God. And it's a good thing that he's God because God is in control of everything. And with him being in control of everything, he knows exactly what you need and when you need it. He, uh, he's the goat because he's our kinsman redeemer. He came to be like us so that he could save us, make a sacrifice on us. He's our kinsman redeemer. He, he's, he's, Jesus is the goat because of his finished work of grace. When everybody else couldn't get the people of Israel or, or us to the promised land, Jesus said, I'll get you there by my sacrifice, by my sacrifice of grace. And grace is unmerited favor, which means it's freely given to you. You don't have to earn it, but you don't deserve it, but you don't have to earn it. He gives it to you as a gift. He understands our needs and our struggles, and he supplies us with grace and mercy because his mercies are new every morning. Then he is, then he is the final high priest, which means we don't have to go to anybody else. Now, we don't have to have a mediator between us and God because Jesus became our mediator because he is God. We can go straight to the throne room of grace. Jesus is the goat because of his better sacrifice. Nothing you can do, nothing, no matter how good of things you do, no matter what you lay down on the altar before Jesus, before God, none of it's good enough to get you to heaven. Only the sacrifice that Jesus made is better. Jesus is the goat because he's our reigning and returning king. He's coming back. I saw a quote earlier this morning that said, I'm not looking for the signs of times. I'm waiting to hear the trumpets. Because we're to that point, I believe. About... Amen it right there on Facebook. Jesus is the goat because he's a reigning and returning king. Jesus is the goat because he is the author and perfecter and the rewarder of our faith. If we just keep running the race, God's place in front of us. We've got to keep running the race. He is the perfecter. There's nothing that we do except for taking one step at a time, moving closer and closer to God. 
He is the author. He's the, he's the beginning of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. And he will reward our faith one day when we stand before the throne. And Jesus is the goat because we said last week he is the devouring fire. And that devouring fire, it refines things. It's, we talked about discipline, how it's not, discipline isn't punishment, it's refinement. Because fire refines. If you watch those glass blowing shows, I thought it would be one of the most boringest things ever, but it's actually kind of interesting. Watch those people blow pops and blow the glass out, but they have to stick it in the furnace first. They have to refine that piece of glass. And here we are in our final week of this series. And like I said before, I hope that, we, that you have found the last 13 weeks counting today encouraging and building to your faith. Because if not, it was a waste of, I wouldn't say a waste, but it was, it's hard. Like sometimes I have to check myself. Like I look back over the last couple of weeks and even, um, even like did I allow what the, what the book of Hebrews was saying affect my heart? What I hope, I hope that it was encouraging to you, 13 weeks. I thought about doing um, Psalm, the, go through the whole book of Psalms. That's 119 whatever chapters. It's 119 weeks of the same sermon. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. Um, maybe. I don't know. But anyways, but what I want you to know today as a last building block of your faith to understand that Jesus is the goat. He's the greatest of all time because he is the never changing God. He is the never-changing God, which means his promises of yesterday still ring true for today. His promises of yesterday still ring true for today. The, the truth that he speaks over us always rings true because he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We're going to get why that's important here in a minute. But let's get going in our last chapter of the book of Hebrews. Here we go. Keep on loving each other. This is chapter 13. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing that. Isn't that a cool, like the cool thought to think about? That you and I, when we've been kind to people we, we've never met, could be entertaining angels from heaven. That's mind-blowing. Makes me wonder how many people I've run into that's from another place. Like, Derek, you really believe that can happen? Well, it says it right there. And we believe the Bible's true, then we believe it can happen. Anyway, that's a whole different sermon series. All right, go back to wildfire. Um, verse 3, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain, pain in your own bodies. Now you're like, I've got to ask this question on those three verses. On those three verses, let me ask this question. Does your heart break for the same things Jesus', Jesus heart breaks for? When you're driving down the road and you see that homeless person running the cart, does your heart break? Or does it say, man, that guy just needs to get a job? When you see that single mother who's, who's struggling to survive, do you automatically go to blame, blame or recognize what sin could be in her life? Or do you say, what can I do to help? that person. Because if we were going to be Christ-like, didn't he sit with sinners? And you, or, so does your heart break for what breaks God's heart? Like, what are you doing for others to show the greatness or that Jesus is the goat? What are you doing? Well, Derek, I don't have a lot to give, but you can give to one, right? 
You can give to one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I posted this on Facebook this week. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. This week was the first week of school and the first day of school, first full day of school, Tuesday, I believe it was. This girl got brought to my office and then I, I recognized her immediately. It was, um, and I, nobody's going to listen to this anyways. Ray Ray, her name was Ray Ray. Okay. Never, you, you won't know who she is, but it's okay. And she had a pair of shoes on, a pair of shoes on that were four sizes too small. Had some dirty clothes on. And her feet were hurting. First full day of school, y'all. Isn't this the time of the year when everybody's excited because they get new clothes? My heart broke. So I sent a text message out to, to a couple people here, and I said, hey, listen, you know, I've got this person, does anybody have size six and a half, six, six and a half shoes and um, whatever. Then I, I'm sitting there going, well, even if I sent this message out right now, like it probably would be a couple of days before I'm able to, before she's able to get anything. So she would suffer last week. So I just went, I went to principal and said, hey, listen, can I just go to like Walmart or somewhere and buy her some shoes? And about the time I was leaving, someone else here in, in, the, church, in the church said, hey, I'll meet you at Walmart. We, do we, for one person, do for one what you wish you could do for other. We bought her some clothes. We got her some shoes. She was fly, y'all. She wore on those clothes every day this week. She, like, you should have, like you should have seen her face because we chose to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. She would walk up in that gym all strutting her stuff, you know. Hey, Mr. McConaughey, look at this. Girl, you look fly. She was proud of what she got. Look at what, what you can do in a life of someone for just one person. And what a ripple effect could come from that. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Well, Derek, what, what might that look like? It might be your time. You talk a lot about time, your time, your treasures, your time, your talent, and treasures. Might be your time. You might have, might be you do for one. You give them your time where you sit and listen to them, even if it's somebody you don't really like all the time. You sit and listen to them. Give them some advice. Do for the one. What you what you can do? In a minute. Do your, what about talents? You know, some of y'all have some awesome, awesome talents. Whether it be stuff you do with your hands, building stuff, mowing yards. I threw up yesterday mowing a yard. So forget that. Okay. All of us have talent. What are you going? What are you going to use? How, the talent that God's given you, how are you going to use it to do for the one that you wish you could do for everyone? And for some of y'all, some of y'all, your wallets are thick. Okay? Not mine. But maybe, maybe for you, it's, you know what? I'm going to pay that person's electric bill this month. You know what? I'm going to buy that person some clothes this week. You know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to take her or him out to eat. I'm going to say, hey, lunch is on me all week. I got you covered, bruh. What are you going to do for the one that you wish you could do for everyone? Verse 4. Give honor to, to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. That's hard to do, right? You got them new Nikes coming out. Who can fly? Be satisfied with what you got. 
For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Like it, that's a great promise right there. I will not, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. When everyone else around us seems like, seems to let us down. Like how many of y'all been let down this week? Me. He says, I will never fail you. When like, how many of y'all have felt like, like you have no one? Anybody in here feel like you have, you've had no, you have no one in your life? Like you're out there all by yourself. Well, God says, I haven't abandoned you. I'm here. I'm here. Jesus is always by our side. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Jesus is always by our side. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you on your own. He's not going to fail you. It may seem like things are going bad in the moment, but the breakthrough's coming, I promise. Verse 6 says this, So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Nothing that comes against us will prosper. Nothing. Isaiah 54, 17 says, But in the coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. And that last phrase should be encouraging to us. That phrase should rock your world. I, the Lord, have spoken. The creator of the universe, the creator of everything that we see with our eyes, is speaking truth over you and speaking healing over you. He is speaking this over you. He's speaking life over you. That nothing you face in this world will ever tear you down. You may feel heartbroken, you may, you, but you may feel like that burden's too heavy for you to bear. And here he is saying, none of that stuff's going to matter because I've said it. I've said that, 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 that it, can't, it can't control you. I've spoken this over you. It can't get you down. I've spoken that. The one who spoke everything in existence is speaking protection over us and speaking life over us. And verse 7 of Hebrews 13 says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word, the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. We have people in our, in our lives who've been faithful to God's word and we've seen God bless them. We, just a couple of chapters ago, we looked at how they did the Hall of Fame of Faith where they looked back at God's faithfulness in the lives of people who've gone before them. If we look at our leaders that have gone before us, I, I can think of many people in my life where God's been faithful to who I count as, as my leaders and I can say, God has been faithful and I can trust him. Look at the good that's come from their lives and let's persevere to the end. Follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus never changes. Jesus never changes. Well, Derek, couldn't that be a bad thing? Because, you know, we're in an ever-changing world where, you know, it's constantly having new thoughts, new things are coming at us, new things like, like Derek, he, need, he needs to adapt to the time that we're in now. No. Here's the thing about Jesus 
Jesus never changes. Here's what's good about him being the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Is that is it this? You're taking notes. Jesus is always consistent. The reason that the reason that's good that Jesus never changes is that Jesus is always consistent. You know, you know that he stands on truth and that isn't isn't wishy-washy like some other religions in the world are. You know that when you go to him, he's not going to say something different than he said yesterday to you. He's that, he's that anchor for the soul, as we read before in Hebrews. He's that anchor for the soul, which means he's, he's, going, to keep you, he's going to keep you steady. And if he's always wishy-washy, if he changes with time, then you know you're just going to get beat around with the waves of this world. And, but what's good about him, another thing never changing, is that he is always consistent. Another reason, if you're taking notes, is this. Jesus will, will always prove himself faithful. Jesus will always prove himself faithful. Because if he was wishy-washy, if he wasn't the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, could we really put our faith in him? Psalms 119.90, I told you I was going to get there. It says, your faithfulness extends to every generation. As enduring as the earth you created. From far past to far future, Jesus is faithful to his words and his promises. We don't want Jesus to adapt to the time. We don't want Jesus to, to, to be different yesterday than he is today and different today than he is tomorrow. Because if not, we wouldn't have a consistent Savior. And we couldn't trust his faithfulness. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's the goat because he never changes. You look at all the people around you, all these celebrities who they call the goat, like LeBron James. Eventually, they're, they're like just using him as an example. Don't sue me later. But eventually, his skill set's going to dwindle down when, as his age comes. He'll have to change. People won't be able to look to him anymore. Even his ideas throughout the years have changed. No matter what celebrity they've called the greatest of all time, you can look at they're constantly changing and adapting. You can't put their trust. They're never consistent. But the one person who stayed consistent from the beginning of creation to this moment in history and forever until he returns is Jesus. He will never change. He's always consistent. Hebrews 13.9, it says this. So since he, is, he never changes, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, do not be attracted, attracted by strange new ideas. This world's throwing out some strange new ideas to us eh, in the last 10 years, haven't they? Did Jesus really mean this? Well, maybe he meant that for 2,000 years ago, but now that that's over, we can live this way now. Right? Have you heard that? That's an argument. That was just for then, not for now. Even inside of Christendom, there's some strange things out there being told. But since Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, we can't be attracted by strange new ideas because our strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow him. Like it, or to translate into, into today, our strength comes from God, not from a denomination. Our strength comes from God not because we're with this doctrinal group. 
Our strength comes from God, not because we do all the right things. Our strength comes from God, not because we become wishy-washy on certain hot topic issues. Our strength comes from God. We have an altar from which the priests and the tabernacle have no right to eat. As children of God, we can approach the throne and we can partake in the grace and the mercy and the breakthroughs that come from Jesus Christ that no one else has. Because you are a child of the king and he wants what's best for you. We have an altar. We have a God that we can approach when times get hard. And since he never changes, we know that, that he's always going to be there. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. And the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside of the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him. Let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For the world is not our permanent home, thank God. One day we're going to leave this body and we're going to be in the presence of God. And we're going to be face to face with Jesus, the original G-O-A-T. This is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Like, that gets me excited. That's why I often say when I, if I've done funerals or I've been at a funerals or I'm in a graveyard talking to people, I'm a little bit jealous that some of these people have got to see that first. I went to, I had friends, friends in high school who have already, already died and went on, and I'm sitting there going, you know what? I hate that you died young, but at the same time, I'm glad you knew Jesus because, man, can you imagine... We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to what? His name. Not to a flag, a country, or a man. That doesn't mean, listen, thank you for America. But I'm just, I'm just passing through this. My allegiance isn't to that. Ultimately, it's to Jesus in the name of Jesus. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. There are, these are the sacrifices that please God. When we give of ourselves, when we pour ourselves out for the people in our community. Though that's, what sacri- that's the sacrifices that please God. Obey your spiritual leaders. <clears throat> I thought I'd get more laughs than that. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. And some translations say they have to answer to God more than anyone else. So I take what I do seriously. Because I'm going to have to stand up before God and account for every word that's came out of my mouth. Looking back, I'm like, I probably shouldn't have said that. (laughs) But I take what I do seriously. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Pray for us. For our, for, so he's talking about 
the leaders, the people who, the preachers, the people, you know, those things. Pray for us, for our, for our conscience, conscience is clear, and we want to live honorably in everything that we do. Verse 19, and especially pray that I will be able to come back to you soon. Now, we're getting into the end of this letter, and there's some great truths that come at the end of this letter. Come back to you soon. So this is, this is the writer of Hebrews saying, I want to come back to you and speak with you. Verse 20, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you for doing his will. Because now you know 13 reasons why he's the greatest of all time, why you should stay faithful to the one who came and died for your sins and not go back to your old ways. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, this is the writer of Hebrews calling not only to those people, but to us today. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I have written in this brief exhortation. Well, it took us 13 weeks to get through it. It wasn't that brief. You imagine sitting there with a group of people just reading this letter straight out, like the mind-blowing, like this is incredibly too much to understand in this short little time frame. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I have written to this in this brief exhortation. And I want you to know that our brother, and this is the kind of like, Derek, do we really have to read all the way to the end? Because I think this is very poignant of, of this. Since he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. And he comes here soon. I'll bring him with me to see. Like, you're the Derek, why, like, why, I understand why Paul would write, the, uh, Paul or whoever the writer is. Be careful there, because there's some different views out there. But why would, why would they put that in, no matter what, this letter? And I think it's to show us this, is that no matter what jail you find yourself in, since he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he will break you out of that. Those chains that hold you down, since he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he promises that those chains cannot hold you forever. He's saying, like Timothy, who's just been released, you're about to be released. Like, what if we just start to believe that? What if we are choosing to keep those chains on ourselves? Like, Jesus has already broken them for us. We've seen that. What if we're choosing to clip them back on? Verse 24 says, Greet all your leaders and all the believers there. The believers from Italy send you their greetings. And here's the last phrase from the writer of Hebrews in verse 13. May God's grace be with you all. So here's the writer of Hebrews. Just spent 13 chapters, one that time, probably just one big letter saying, don't give up on this faith. I know you're going through persecution. I know you're going through some hardship. I know the persecution that you're facing from, from your, your old religion, those, those 
those belief, those people are coming after you and you're wondering where is God and all this, where is this Jesus? He said it. I thought you said it would be a better life and it is like it is a better life, but I don't see it right now. And and he's sitting back saying, Well, you gotta stay faithful because he's the exact imprint of the God that we serve. In fact, he is God. I'm going to have to go back to the sacrificial system where those things will never work for you because they're not like you. You needed someone who would become a kinsman redeemer. You need someone who would pay a debt for you that was like you. That sheep ain't going to get you there. It's just going to ball the whole time. You needed Jesus. He's the goat. He became our kinsman redeemer. He became like us so he could pay it, pay our day. You know, he says like you, 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 we could never get fully satisfied with where we are. Like, yeah, we're we we're in the land that he promised us, but it was just a shadow of what the real thing was, and that's why you're never truly happy. That's why we, you have to go every 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 week, every year to sacrifice for your sins for that year. Because you, you, it's not finished, and he says, but Jesus finished it on the cross. That's why he's the goat. In fact, he's so much the goat that he, he was so much of a sacrifice. That he he said he stripped himself of everything that made him God and became man, so that he could experience suffering like we experience suffering. We, he could, he could experience loss like we can experience loss. So he would know your struggles and your pain and be able to give you the right grace and the right mercy to get us through that. He realized that the leadership of that time, the high priests of that time, were never going to get his followers to, to the throne. They, they hadn't for centuries. So he says, you know what? I'll be your new high priest. That way you can come straight to me, and I'll take care of it for you. And instead of sacrificing things for you, I will be that sacrifice. And all those things that you read about in Jewish, Jewish Sunday school, those promises from God, well, guess what? I am the promise, and I'm the promise fulfilled. I will mediate on your behalf. I'm the goat because because of my better sacrifice. I'm the goat because I, I, I'm returning, and I'm reigning right now. I'm in control. And I will begin this faith in you. I will perfect this faith in you. And at the end, because of your faithfulness to to me, I will reward you. And along the way, you're going to mess up. That's okay. That's why there's discipline. That's why there's refining. I'll be that for you. And you need all that all the time, so I'm never going to change who I am. That way I'm always consistent for you. And that I always prove myself faithful. Because I'm going to be your goat. But there's also a third kind of meaning to all this. And everything. There's an old tradition. Where it was called the escape goat. Where they would release a goat out into the wilderness to be devoured by the wild. It was a tradition to, to say, hey, this, 
this goat is taking your place. It's the Jewish tradition. And Jesus became that escape goat for you. He was the greatest of all time escape goat. So the question becomes this. Are you going to look over the last 13 chapters of this book of Hebrews, this letter from a friend to you, because he knows you're going through a hard time. You know, he's, you're thinking. He knows you're thinking, man. Is this really worth it all? Is this really worth me giving everything to? And it is. It's worth going all in on. There's no other way other than to go all in. Like, dear God, I just don't know. Well, then maybe you need to start back at Hebrews one. Really, go back to Genesis one and read all the way through. But. It's totally worth it to make Jesus the goat of your life. Because these people that this letter was written to ended up changing the world, turning the world upside down. Hence, this is from the Middle East, y'all, and here we are sitting in America, and it's here. So it has to, it has to be true. It has to work. So the question becomes, are you going to lay down everything you have? follow this goat, the greatest of all time. Let's pray. Dear God, we want to thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be here. And we want to thank you that you are the greatest of all time. You are the goat. That over the last 13 chapters we looked at your, the character of who you are. And we say thank you for being those things for us because we need and we needed all those things. So God, let's pray as, as we end today is that we begin to really view you as supreme overall, the goat. Because you are so worth it. Even in our trials and even in our, our, our mistakes, even in our pain and our heartbreak, you are totally worth giving everything to. face some of the things I've faced in life and other people in this room have faced without you being supreme overall. May we be okay with questions unanswered. Because one day you said when we are standing before that throne, you will reveal all things to all men. So give us faith to trust that. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys.